This week's show with Jennifer White of Lucky John Quill is sponsored by the Embroiderers Guild of America and Avlia Folk Embroidery. Each month, EGA, the Embroiderers Guild of America at egausa.org, offers an expansive roster of creative and educational opportunities for needleworkers around the globe. This month, EGA members can register for Catherine Duguid's exciting new online class, Haystacks of Giverny. Inspired by Catherine's research into impressionistic color techniques, Haystacks of Giverny encourages embroiderers to take a non-traditional approach to embroidery and quilting using layering techniques to create dimension, depth, light, and shadow. Registration for Haystacks of Giverny is open from February 1 through March 1, with class starting on May 3. EGA members can use the code FiberTalk5, that's FiberTalk and the number 5, to receive a $5 discount when registering for Haystacks of Giverny. Interested stitchers should also visit the EGA blog to read an interview with Catherine Duguid and learn more about her inspirations and what to expect when participating in Haystacks of Giverny. Krista West, the designer behind Avlia Folk Embroidery, continues to deliver great new designs. The popularity of her table runner designs has inspired Krista to create three new table runners. Cypress and Hollyhock will release March 1, Pomona's Grove in early April, and Polyponesian Poppies in May. Also, six of Krista's designs are now available in kit form at Hershner's, providing you with another way to purchase Avlia projects. Be sure to visit avliaembroidery.com to see the latest designs and enjoy free instructional videos. While you're there, put your name on the newsletter list so you don't miss any of the new things Krista will be offering in the coming months. Thanks to EGA and Avlia Folk Embroidery for sponsoring the show, and now our conversation with the creative Jennifer White, of Lucky Jonquil. Welcome back. I'm Gary Parr, and you are listening to Fiber Talk, the twice-weekly podcast for needlework artists. Our artist this week from Lucky Jonquil, Jenny White. Jenny, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, some fun stuff that you have for the uh, needle worker. Mm. Yeah, you are creative. All right, first thing I got to <laughs> know, I got to know is the Jonquil. What uh, lucky Jonquil? That's a unique name, and you know, daffodils one thing, but to go all the way to Jonquil is kind of different. What uh, what leads you down that path? Um. That's a great question because out of all of the branding decisions I could have made, Jonquil probably was not the best one. Um, <laughs> you know, they go, they always say like, stay with something really simple. Uh, Jonquil's hard to spell. They're <laughs> much less pronounced half the time. Um, honestly, it's, it's been a name that I have uh, danced around and used for gosh, almost the last 20 years. Um, I, Jonquil is the birth flower of March and my first child was born in March. And, um, the very first thing I ever sold online were, uh, baby carriers that, um, I was, I was making by hand and I turned myself Jonquil mom and that's where the Jonquil started. But then uh, as things shifted and developed, and as I moved away from baby carriers, because I hated sitting at the sewing machine, <laughs> even though I loved the baby carriers, I, I real man, I, I don't mind sewing in small bits, but big wicks just, it, oh, it drives me nuts. I don't know why. Um, it just stuck. It just stuck. And so every turn that I have uh, made as I've you know, gone down the years and trying to refine what it was I really wanted to do and what was going to really stick for me. Um, Jonquil has always been a part of it. So, and it is pretty unique. There's not a whole lot of Jonquils out there uh, as a business name whatsoever at all. So it kind of felt like at one point, well, if you knew me at this one stage and you, you know, come across me again, it's going to all kind of click together um, as to, to who I am. Right. Um, 
And so that's really that's really where it came from and how it started. Um, it a lot like my my personal username online starts with a ZZ, and everybody's all like, "Why in the world did you have a username that starts with ZZ?" And I am of the era of um, the first email addresses as a college student. Uh, my freshman incoming class was the first class on campus to come in as freshmen and be given an email address. We also had the, you know, honor of being the only class ever to have the student designator ZZ. The class after us, they thought, well, that was stupid of us. Let's not do that again. <laughs> I have actually had people randomly every so often uh, contact me and go, were you at Winthrop in this year? And no, I was like, yes, yes, I was because of the ZZ. <laughs> they recognize it. I'm like, yes, yes, I was there. I was one of those students. Um, but, you know, it was at the it was at that cusp right between computer labs and wiring and dorms and, and private computers. And, um, you know, the the very first Hotmail before Gmail was ever even uh, a thing. Yep. And when I left school, of course, then you couldn't take your school email address with me. And I'm like, well, everybody already knows this username. So I stuck with it. Yeah. And since then, you know, if I go to sign up for something, no one's ever going to take that. So right. if it says the username is taken. Well, chances are I need to dig out a password somewhere. <laughs> um, but it, uh, the two of them kind of converged. Uh, so when I moved past baby carriers and, and I did jewelry for a while, moved past that. Um, when I got into knitting, um, very quickly, I went right into to designing patterns. Um, I fell in with a, a group that was designing professionally, although not full time. And um, when I wanted to put out my first pattern, I was, it was very highly encouraged to go ahead and just do it the right way. Get a tech editor, get some, some good photography, mm. um, really serious about it. And yeah. so I kept the John Quill name, but I tacked the Z onto it because everybody knew me one way and they just kind of dovetailed together. And that was kind of a, a connector. So, you know, for knitting, I was Z Jonquil. Oh, um, right. But then about a decade ago, that fell off because um, I just didn't have the support I needed at home in order to really continue with anything. Um, and, and times have changed. And, uh, and as, a, as, the, as the years went past, um, you know, w with the knitting friends, we got to a point where um, we would not just knit, but we might be spinning or we might be embroidering or cross stitching or getting excited about a particular pattern that was coming out. And so, um, we'd always gather up with the supplies and, and be out, you know, with a girl's night. And I realized how much more I enjoyed the tools and the collecting and the rainbow of floss uh -huh. and the organizing of it. than I actually enjoy stitching. Yeah. Um, but I'm just as happy with a full box of crayons. <laughs> I, I mean, when they're pristine and brand new, yeah, um, yeah. just the, the rainbow of colors, it just delights me. <laughs> and floss is the same way. It's an endless palette. And, um, and it, it's, ju it just sparks my happy, yeah. but I really am much happier just sitting and winding a bobbin. Than <laughs> much happier winding a bobbin than I am actually trying to, to count all of my little crosses and uh, get, you know, everything all lined up just right. Um, yeah. But, that's, uh, you know, that's interesting because people are of two minds with the bobbin thing. I, I Bob, I put uh, DMC floss on bobbins. That's how I work with them. And yeah. people, Oh, I, Oh, I can't stand that. Actually, I can. I'm I'm more than happy to get a stack of bobbins and a bunch of skeins, and sit there and wrap them around and put the number on and it's you know put the TV on. It's just really relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I have found. And the funny thing is, is that recently, buddy, uh, about two weeks ago, I probably went back through 
my my old Instagram and realized that it was it was almost four or five separate occasions across you know like six seven eight years where I made a post talking about man I'm just so happy sitting here winding <laughs> <laughs> each time it was a complete revelation to me I'm sure yeah but uh, it's yeah, I, it's, I think it's been finally this last two years that I finally finally came to that conclusion of, you know, I, I'm almost really much happier organizing the stash of floss and, and playing with the floss in that way than I am really getting serious about actually stitching anything. <laughs> um, but, um, but it was about that time, about two years ago, when... Uh, a new pattern had come out and my girlfriend and I had seen it and we were like, Oh, let's, you know, it's been a long time since we've done something. Let's do this together. Um, and so we were getting all the floss together, met up at a coffee shop and we're sitting there and we're winding. And as we're winding, I'm thinking, man, I wish that I had something that would, you know, work in a box like this and set out in this particular sort of way. How in the world could I make that? Um, and then it just kind of kept rolling from there where I kept thinking much more about the organization of floss, um, little issues that, cause I love bobbins and I love working off of bobbins, but what I don't love is the, the kink that you get in the thread from the plastic bobbins. Cause almost all of my stashes on those DMC plastic bobbins, mm. but down to towards the end, it's just all a you know, a straight crease every so often. Um, I was like, I wonder if there's a way to, you know, get rid of that or lessen that. Um, and I think having the, the three millimeter acrylic definitely makes a difference because it's not a, a full fold back on itself under pressure. It's more of a wrap. So it's not going to kink as much. There's still some, but it's not as bad. Yeah. Um, but in general, I think it also allows the floss to shine a little more. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, it's just something about it melts away to the background. And really what you get is just that happy little tidy color um, that just comes to the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never had trouble with the crease. I, I wrap it pretty loose around the bobbins. And... Yeah, oh, I must be a tight wrapper then. Well, I think <laughs> that's, I, I'm, I'm convinced that most people, it, it, and it's the natural thing is to wrap it tight because, yeah, yeah, I just wrap loose and it gets to be kind of a puffy ball there. But, uh, yeah, I've never had a, a crease problem. And um, I think that's what it is. But that, you know, that's just human nature. You're wrapping thread around something. You you wrap it tight, and yeah, um, yeah, you will get those creases. So let's let's back up here. Uh, okay, uh, go ahead. Uh, so so the baby carriers that was uh, what what are those over the shoulder cloth things that you made? They were um, they were my tie carriers. Uh, so this was back before they were mainstream. Right oh, okay. about the time they were coming onto the scene. So this was. Uh, we're looking at 2005. Um, so we're, we're going back yeah. quite a ways now. Um, yeah, they, um, some of them had rings and long fabric arms that you would uh, thread through so that you could put your kid on your back or you could carry them um, on your front. But uh, there were other ring slings where it was a, a loop of fabric that would go over your shoulder yeah. um, and create a pouch. So there are different types of slings for different types of uh, carries and um, each really had its own strong suit. Uh, it's not a one size fits all with a baby carrier. Yeah. So is this, um, this one of those, the, the usual deal where, you made one for your child and somebody saw it. And would you make me one? And pretty soon you have a business. I was, okay. um, that is, that is really pretty much how that went. Um, and then, you know, I refined some of the, the pattern that I was making and, and then out of the blue, someone in Ireland found them. And it felt like my biggest customer base was in Ireland. <laughs> of all places. <laughs> of all places. I have, 
no clue how that happened. And uh, I have no idea. Um, But I do know that shipping internationally then was much easier than it is now. Um, It was right before a whole bunch of regulations set in. Anyway, I started getting orders from Ireland. Don't know how or why it just, it just happened. Um, But then I really got, got to the point where I would get an order and I would dread sitting down and actually making it because they were all custom made. Uh, You pick out the fabric and then I would sit down and make it. It wasn't shipping out of stock or making when I felt up to making it was order came in and I made it. Um, And I learned a lot about myself. I learned I didn't like doing that. Um, (laughs) Well, that's the thing. That's the thing with those, those businesses that just come out of, you know, I made one for myself and, and then some friends and then some friends, friends and, yeah, then you have a pile of orders, and you're trying to raise a kid, and mm-hmm. and you you need to be at the sewing machine, and people are wondering when theirs is coming, and yeah, yeah, you do learn about yourself. I I hate sitting yeah. in a sewing machine. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I really did. I really learned that I didn't like making things on demand. Um, I didn't like making the same thing over and over again. Uh huh. Um, not by hand in that sort of way. Um that I didn't like making large things. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, that I, that I didn't, I didn't like having a stack of orders like that. Um, every other endeavor since that time period has, um, refined off of that idea, um, to get me to a point where I'm actually really happy with what I'm doing right now. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Cause you, when, when you have that situation, Every day, all day, you're walking around with that weight on your shoulders that uh, I got to get dinner or I got to take the kids to school or whatever. But and, you know, then there's that weight. I really need to get back to that sewing machine. And yeah, that, mm-hmm. it can just really drag you down. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's that. stressful. Yeah. It's really stressful. <laughs> so, you, I mean, you're so creative. So you get out of that and you move on to jewelry. That's a, that's not, that's not a normal stretch. <laughs> Well, I, I, as a kid, um, I'm a, an, an artist background family. And uh, so I, I grew up watching uh, my dad do woodworking and watching my dad uh, make the artist renderings from blueprints uh-huh. and watching my dad watercolor and, um, and do pottery. I mean, it was just, if it was artistic and done with your hands, it was uh, completely within the realm of possibility. And as a little kid, I had been given a box of, of seed beads and um, embroidery floss and had dabbled in all of that. One of my grandmothers crocheted. Um, my mom did sewing, so I watched her sewing. So Like all of these things were just a natural part of my environment. Um, All of these things could come together. All of these things could be individual. Um, It was just a medium with which to be creative Mm -hmm. um, and to to make something new. So for me, it wasn't necessarily a huge jump. Um, There was always some level of which I had been playing with stuff along those lines. And so the jewelry that I ended up doing for a good while was gold filled. So 14 karat gold fill findings and um, usually gemstone beads. So not, not real super expensive ones, Mm. but I wasn't working with glass or um, with a real common pieces. It was, it was usually a, a faceted gemstone. My problem with the with the uh, jewelry wasn't so much that I wasn't doing well with it, but no one wanted to sell it. It was before uh-huh. online businesses were really a thing. And I went to uh, several different consignment stores around town where I thought that my stuff would fit in very well. And um, all of the shop owners um, very wisely actually looked at it and went, man, I really like what you're doing, but I don't want the responsibility of the cost of your product being shoplifted. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but actually uh, several of them ordered. So for themselves. 
So I had, I, I managed to sell several pieces, but couldn't get it in a store to sell it. Um, That's crazy. Which was just, uh, yeah, it was a little, a little ironic. And then at the same time, I also then had a second baby come along and all of a sudden I've got a toddler and another newborn and all of these little tiny beads running around and uh, little hands. And yeah. It was just like the sewing machine. I could see a little finger getting stuck under a needle while I could yep. see, you know, little fingers sticking beads where they don't belong. So yep. Um, you know, it just got easier to, to put it away for a time being. I still have lots of jewelry ideas. Uh, Lucky Jonquil, the name change that just happened, um, was in part driven by the fact that one of the things I would really like to start doing is getting into the craft, uh, markets around here locally. And I don't know how well the swatch floss drops. And, uh, you know, floss bobbins are going to sell at uh, a market booth, but earrings, those certainly would. Bracelets, those certainly would. And if I can cross things into kits and uh, make it a whole range of things where everything kind of fits together, well, then I can bring that back into into play. Creating jewelry is still, still in the mix then. Still very much in the mix. Um, but it's been... One thing at a time, because um, here's, I think, the critical thing I was missing all of these years was that uh, I grew up with a with a fine artist. And um, when I went to school, I did fine arts. But what I missed out on was any design. Um, so there was never any computer work or that sort of thing. And um, really what it boiled down to is that was the niche I should have looked into and no one ever articulated the differences between design and fine art or yeah. illustration. I wondered that if you had an art background, so you were studying the masters and the oil painting and the illustration and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did pottery and photography uh, and figure drawing and, um, you know, painting. Classics. <laughs> I took, I took wood shop. Um, I'm, I'm certified on all the big tools. There we go. <laughs> people, people find that strange, but yeah, I know my work, my know my way around woodworking. Um, now, the iron, the, the really ironic thing is, though, is we had an entire fiber arts department, and I remember sticking. That was the one class I never had. I remember sticking my head in the door, looking in, and going, "Man, those people are weird." <laughs> and my entire adult life. That's <laughs> I've circled around that, and that's all I've worked in since. Here you are. <laughs> I here I am. Here I am now. Looking back at it, going, "Wow, how did that? How, how did I? How did I miss that?" Yeah. Um, because yeah, once uh, once I left the jewelry, I went on to the knitting, and that was when I really learned to knit. Um, so my my second child had been born, and he was a baby. And I finally really understood what I was doing with knitting needles. And it was just a whole new world opened up. Like I totally got um, where the yarn was going, what wow. it was doing. It was just very orderly, very tidy, uh, very cut and dry. So many different techniques, but there's only two stitches. You know, you can knit and you can purl. Yeah. And it's what you do with those that creates all of the intricacies. And um, it, it was it was in that time period where it wasn't so much even just the knit and the purl, but, um, it, you know, I, you have a pattern and you swap out one yarn for a different yarn and you end up with something that looks really different. Mm-hmm. You know, a wool is not an acrylic, is not an alpaca, is not silk, is not cotton. Like these, these are not one for one exchanges. Yeah. Um, and I got so knee deep in the nitty gritty of that, um, that I started teaching. And so I ended up teaching a, a lot of beginning crochet and quite a bit of advanced knitting. Um, but the, the my favorite was the... Um, workshop that I taught on yarn substitution uh, and swatching. Um, I would wind up a ton of very different yarn 
And then we would walk through talking about the fibers and their properties and why you could sub one out for another, but not this one, what it would do, why it would do it. Um, just full geekery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolute full geekery. <laughs> and um, I, man, I loved teaching that workshop so much because one of the things you did is you weren't even worried about knitting a project. Um, you were just yarn tasting. You were, right. you were sitting and knitting little squares that the only purpose was to, to hold one in one hand and one in the other hand and compare the two of them. And um, to to see that, you know, I, I knit this yarn and this yarn on the same size needles, but yet this one's flat and this one's floppy or this one's soft or this one's, you know, really dense. And, um, you know, and then talk about how that would affect a finished piece like a like a sweater. Right. But there was no other purpose other than just for the fun of the little square. Um, but you got a lot of really good information out of it. And I think that in some way ties to where I am now with the, uh, organizing of the stash. Yeah. Like all the little swatches. Well, that's, that's what kinda, you get out of it. Yeah. But that's kind of the, the, the golden whatever of, uh, anything to do with thread. I mean, that's where your top needlework designers, uh, really, set themselves apart is understanding the various threads and finishes and how they reflect light and how they work together and don't work together. And yeah. you, com you combine that with a powerful uh, command of, of color. And that's where the really good designers immediately are at a new level is that very thing is they, they yeah, it's, it's not I see it right there. It's not knowing the materials. It's knowing it's truly knowing the materials and how they behave and how they behave together that, uh, that sets them apart. Yeah. 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 So same, same sort of path. Um, I am far from that on, uh, on, on needlework threads. I certainly do not have a masterful command on any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, but the idea that you could do something that would illustrate some of it. Right. That you would be able to see it, especially with variegated and hand dyed or over dyed threads where you get such a depth of color to know what it's going to do and how it's going to look once it's stitched up. Um, it just looks completely different than when it's on a skein. Right. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. But and, that's knitting, the, and knitting's the same way. Yeah. But, but that's the that's the crux of it right there is can you take that skein and, and then make it become something? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's where the, the fun of it has come for me is, yeah. is just watching those little things. I wish I could make them bigger um, and it'd be cost effective. I keep thinking I need to, uh, I, at some point I want to do one of those projects where I knit a little tiny swatch of, you know, every color of, you know, the, the whole line. Oh, okay. um, mm -hmm. I keep thinking maybe I'll make an acrylic piece that, you know, lines up for that sort of thing. <laughs> um, haven't, I haven't done that yet though. Um, those little holes actually take a long time to cut. Um, yeah. it's not the, the most efficient thing. Um, but I, but I really do enjoy watching how the, how the color shifts. So, um, yeah. So talk about Lucky Jonquil now, uh, the, the, okay. the new the new brand and of the of the business. How did this yeah. business get started? What was your original purpose and, and where are you headed with it? Oh, OK. So, yeah, going back to um, about two years ago when I was sitting with my girlfriend looking at a new cross stitch project when we hadn't stitched anything together in a good long while. Um, we were getting all of our, our threads had just arrived and we were sorting through things and um, getting ready for the first uh, club clue to drop. And I was looking at a container that she had purchased um, that she had all of her project stuff in. I was like, man, I really love that. I wish it had some dividers that would, you know, slip into place. And, and immediately I thought of, you know, uh, hard acrylic dividers that just kind of slid into one another. And 
would allow for a, a, a divided container. Yeah. Um, and I had seen that, you know, I, acrylic bobbins are not a, a new thing. That's certainly not innovative in any way. There's, there's quite a few out there. Um, I was thinking about those at the same time. Um, and it was in the process of that where, uh, thinking through all of those things and, and thinking, man, I, I don't know how, how I would make that. Um, one of the guys I worked with, um, cause I was working full time at, uh, a company, uh, on a manufacturing floor. And one of the guys I worked with like said, you know, you're really, you're really wasting yourself. Um, you need to, you need to go work for yourself. Oh, and really? <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the, that was the gist of what he basically said. And I looked at him and just shook my head and listed off all the reasons why I could not do that, why it was never going to work. Um, and then it wasn't very long after that, something else happened that's escaping me right now. And I just kind of looked back at that and went, you know what? He's right. It's kind of now or never. That's interesting. That, so, so while you were listing those things off, was the little voice in your head saying, yeah, that's all hot air. You really need to do it. No, no, it wasn't. Okay. It totally believed. It absolutely okay. believed. Um, I was uh, still knee deep in a divorce that has taken about five years to Ugh. settle out custody. Um, I, I had been a stay at home mom who was homeschooling. And then at that point in time, I was homeschooling and working full time. Mm. Um, I was trying to keep a roof over our heads. Um, I needed a steady income, all of those things. So no, those voice, that voice in my head was not, was not blowing smoke by okay. any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> you were in full, <laughs> full survival mode then. <laughs> I was in full survival mode. Um, I, I was, I was actually really blessed in the pandemic to have that job. Uh, it was probably the safest place I could have been. I was working in a clean room and the air filters through there every two minutes. Oh, yes. um, mm -hmm. and uh, the cleanest air in Charlotte and, um, and legitimately, uh, we were working overtime because one of the things that we produced were the camera lenses that go into the elevated body temperature cameras. And so we were working a lot. Yeah. Um, but the, um, yeah, at that point, it, you know, when, when he said that, I really felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And then we got that final stimulus check and it wasn't that I needed desperately anything right then and there. Like my bills were covered, uh -huh. but I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could, maybe I could get a laser cutter and then I could make those acrylic pieces. And I actually do have some ideas, but I'm going to need to learn how to use design software because I never learned how to design these type of vector graphics that you use for cut files. Um, and so I did some research and found the cheapest little laser cutter that was out there on the market. Um, started working to wrap my head around, uh, vector files and, um, teaching my, figuring out what I needed to learn and then working to teach myself all of those particular things, um, you know, in my spare time after working full time <laughs> and homeschooling kids and <laughs> dealing with lawyers. Um, and, uh, what I, what I found was yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but that's, that's really, that's really where the, where it all started was, you know, he said something right at the same time that my girlfriend had been like, let's get together and let's do this. And I was like, man, I really love playing with the stash. Um, I just want to organize things now. And, um, and then having ideas and not knowing how to bring them to fruition. Yeah. And, um, and then figuring out how to do that. Uh, and that, and that basically meant, um, buying a laser and teaching myself a whole bunch of new stuff. And so 
my thought though was, okay, well, if I start doing this in order to really get anything running in order to be able to pay for stuff, well, then I should probably carry supplies that would complement it and, you know, have a little bit of a, you know, the stitching shop too, but I don't want to necessarily carry, you know, the stuff that everybody carries, right. you know, maybe the stuff that's a little harder to get a hold of the stuff right. that is um, a better quality or the, the, the upper level, because number one, this is the stuff that's hard to get a hold of. But number two, um, if I'm making acrylic pieces and, and trying to, you know, make something a little bit nicer than what was before, like it just kind of all fit in together. And so, you know, then it was, you know, well, will you name it? Well, Jonquil Stitchery just certainly made sense because it's, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Um, but since the time that I finally figured out how to use the laser, because that turned out to be a much larger learning curve than I anticipated. Um, and then finally got back around to learning vector design. Um, since I put out the first couple of pieces, the Bob and girls and, uh, and the, the swatch drops, um, I have sold more of those than I have anything in my shop. Okay. Um, so the, the thread and the hoops and the, and the beginner's kits and, uh, the various things that are there, I think I'll keep most of the thread and, um, but I think a lot of it, once it sells out or, or goes, or I consume on my own, um, it, it might be the end of that because I was finding that I was really struggling to keep up with wholesale minimums. Oh, yes. um, mm -hmm. and, and knowing what I wanted, they all kind of came from various resources. And unfortunately, you know, to be able to, to carry that, I really would need a much higher volume. Yeah. Um, but then we hit last year. So fast forward, we hit last year and then I was blindsided by having to learn accounting, um, <laughs> which is not my strong suit. <laughs> um, and, and then I moved and then my schedule flip flopped and it, uh, finally hit a point where, um, other than to ship what sold, I had not touched the shop in six months. Um, there was no extra time to devote to moving forward, to developing anything new. Um, and looking at it, uh, late last year, it was, uh, either, Either I I do what the gentleman had told me, I, I work for myself, or I fold up and call it a good go and just not doable. Um, and in the long run, with several other things at play, um, it made sense to to jump in with two feet. Uh -huh. So as of January the sixth was my last day there at uh, at the manufacturing plant and. I just started this, January just this past 7th. January. Just, uh, just, yes, four, just... I'm on my fourth week. Fourth <laughs> week of working full time for me, and my first order of business was going ahead and changing up the branding because I was thinking about multiple revenue streams. Let me get that Etsy shop back up and running because I haven't really touched it. And looking at you know doing markets and what I needed to do in order to really make it work and uh, be able to support my kids what I needed to have in place to, um, to even get there because, right. you know, that doesn't happen overnight. Um, I'm certainly not paying the bills with this just yet. Um, but yeah, so I, I gave my, I gave my boss about a six weeks notice. Um, so plenty of, plenty of runway had yep. a couple of panic attacks in the middle of that. <laughs> um, he was, he was so sad to see me go the day, I think it was the day before, my last day he was like are you sure i haven't put it into hr yet are you are you sure wow <laughs> I'm like yeah yeah I'm, I'm sure i'm really um it felt really good to be uh so wanted and and needed um it, it honestly gave me probably that last little bit of confidence that i needed to make the jump but yeah. um yeah the that first week right afterwards um the first order of business was going ahead and working on branding. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to back you up though. So, so when, yeah, you go make, ahead. when you make this decision 
All right, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna leave the the uh, <clears throat> guaranteed money every two weeks. Yep. And I'm gonna go out on my own and work mm-hmm. for myself. Does is that was there a, a sense of relief, or was it I'm an idiot? What am I doing? What? Yeah. What What happens in your head? Uh, what's because the mind that's, process that's, there? That's a huge leap. It is a huge leap, and um, it was fully both. I was simultaneously absolutely terrified and gleefully excited. Okay. Um, But it was full-blown both. You could not separate one from the other. (laughs) Um, I certainly was not going into this uh, blind, but I was going into this with all of those years behind me of, of looking at those different aspects, learning about myself, learning about selling, learning about products. Um, Even the time that I spent in on that manufacturing floor, um, there were so many things that I learned just about how manufacturing is run, how you price things, um, you know, working with, with other people, making sales goals, batching things. Um, I, I just came out of all of that with this huge wealth of, of background, none of it honed or fully refined, but certainly enough to feel like I had a footing. Um, my family all looked at me and basically said, listen, Jenny, if anybody can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, even my own mom had complete faith in me. She's like, if anybody can do it, it'd be you. Um, so I, you know, I had a lot of support. Um, I I have had some people look at me like you have lost your beloved mind, (laughs) but, um, especially in this economy, but, uh, there have been other people that have looked at me and gone, yeah, you can do this. I know you can do this. You absolutely have this in you. Um, so there's probably some, uh, naive blinders and um, probably some real guts and it's probably the combination of the two <laughs> that <laughs> really got me to this point. So, um, the, so this, the stimulus check buys you the laser cutter. Yeah. Yep. That then now, and then the uh, coworker says you need to work for yourself. So you put it all together. And yep, so, put so it all together. Yeah. So then lucky Jonquil now that the core of this is devices, tools, whatever for organizing our needlework. Pretty much. Is that what um, okay. I yeah, I have plans on not keeping it just to cross stitch and uh, embroidery thread, but I had the little pieces that come out of the center of um, the little little rectangles that come out of the center of the swatch drops. I have a huge bucket of all of those. Um, I plan on making a jig and going back and turning those into stitch markers for knitters and crocheters. Mm. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, it's acrylic. It's not environmentally friendly per se. Right. It is incredibly reusable. It'll, you know, stay really nice for a long time. Um, but I don't want to be wasting huge chunks of it. Right. You know, and and that just feels really wasteful. But it looks like the perfect little thing that you would put a number one or a two or a knit two together. Um, those sorts of little symbols on, and so I'm, I, you know, I have plans. I, even earrings, I can see engraving on those for earrings too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm holding on to a lot of the scraps, and um, so I have plans not just for for cross stitch and embroidery, but for knitting and crochet as well as, uh, earrings and bracelets. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then maybe even some kits where you, where you, you can build your own jewelry pieces or even stitchable jewelry. Um, like, man, a a little bracelet of little swatches would be fun. (laughs) Well, it, it what caught my eye is the um, the swatch floss drops. And so, yeah. of course, of course, I ordered a bunch, but uh, mm-hmm. um, because they're just—I mean, I, I use floss drops when, uh, particularly when I do uh, reproduction samplers, because I'll pre-cut all my thread and put it on mm-hmm. a ring in you know cardboard floss drops or whatever. 
and uh, yeah. put and put it on a ring, and then that's the ring of threads for that sampler. So it just keeps it all together for me. Like needlepoint stuff, I don't ever cut my threads because you never know how long you're going to need for from one stitch to the next. But these yeah. these swatch floss drops are, I mean, they're what are they? Inch and a half long by three quarter wide, something like that. But they're they're so yeah. innovative because you've got the hole where you can put the the thread, and then you've got a slot to the side. So if if I pull a strand out of a, a length of a DMC, and then I have five, so then I can keep that separate from the uh, untouched threads. But then you've got this mm-hmm. this grid of holes where I can actually stitch the thread that that's on that drop. I get cross stitch it or whatever. I'm I'm I, I did a cross stitch one, and then I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to do um, a slanted goblin on one, and I'm going to do a uh, I don't know if I can get a road stitch to work, um, but you so you can do different stitches on the the floss drop in the color of thread that's hanging below. It's just kind of a fun thing. I had I just sat there. I was watching football and. Uh, uh, stitching on these little pieces of acrylic and it was it was great fun (laughs) but it it makes i thoroughly enjoy it 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 makes a nice little presentation i guess of threads you know and and i thought well this is i'm putting all this time in this is really dumb for uh a, a sampler but i thought wait a minute no it's not dumb because how long am i going to be working on this sampler forever and mm-hmm. and so now I have these threads that it just looks really neat. Uh, I I just think it's a really innovative idea, and for stitchers, just a lot of fun um, to do. But but the kind of thing I mean, you, you got a space you can write the uh, the number of the thread on there, and then everything when you're done can come off and get cleaned off and start again and last forever. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. That's the idea is that it's it's fully reusable, uh, will last as long as you need it to, that its surface itself is writable and erasable uh, as long as you got the right uh, writing utensil. Um, but well, we should we yeah. should talk, we should talk about that, too, because I tried several oh, okay. pens because you show in on your website, uh, you show writing on there and it looks so elegant. You know, the whole thing is just so elegant. But not every pen will write. So what pen is it that you oh. write on there that it will stay? It is It is not every pen. Um, what you need is something that is basically like a standard Sharpie, the one that you would go and write all over your moving boxes with. Um, they make them in a fine tip version. Uh, you can find them at most stores. But we're not talking about the new Sharpie pens that they came out with a few years ago. Um, there's a massive difference in the ink that uh, standard pens that we write with every day and pens like the Sharpies have. Uh, one is water-based and one is alcohol-based. And permanent markers are usually alcohol-based inks. And that's what's going to write and stay put on the acrylic pieces. If you write with something that is water-based um, or a standard ink pen or one of those standard little felt tip pens, it's gonna it's gonna smudge straight off because the water isn't gonna have anywhere to soak into. It's not gonna be able to deposit it just on top nice and neat. Um, my favorite one is a, a little more difficult to find and you'd probably have to go to an art supply store or a, a craft store like Michael's. Um, but Sakura, who makes the, um, Micron pens that a lot of, uh, a line artists use, um, also makes one called a micro perm and, uh, they're sized the same way. So there's an O1 and an O5, um, but they're little felt tip permanent ink pens, um, just the same sort of ink that you would find in the, in the typical Sharpie. It's just a much nicer tip. Um, and those are my favorites, and that's what I use when I'm marking on them. I came across it a long time ago. Um, they're archival ink quality, even made for photographs, for writing on photographs, and that's where I'd gotten my first one, and then once I started um, writing on my bobbins, that's what I was always pulling yeah. out. So now I keep one just with my stitching. Yeah, okay. Because I, I tried several pens, couldn't get it, so I finally just cut pieces of artist tape 
and wrote on those with a pencil, and that worked. But it's not nearly as elegant as as you show it with your your very clear penmanship and a, a nice fine line. I got to get a pen. I got to have that look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm I also uh, just recently purchased a um, a sticker cutter. So once I you know uh, run that next learning curve. Um, the next option will be if you can't find an ink pen that will write on it, uh, there are stickers that will be okay. perfectly workable. Okay. Um, so, so we've got so pre-printed or do it yourself either way. Yeah. So you have, uh, uh some bobbins, just conventional bobbins, and then yep, you have uh, kind of co- like conventional thread drops. Those are those ones in the shape of a girl with the, no, uh, the girl is not a thread drop. She's a, another b- type of bobbin. That's a bobbin. Okay. Um, but I do have a conventional thread drop. It's just a it's just a teardrop, raindrop shape. Yeah. Um, and and those are and those are well liked. Um, but it's just a very standard. It's just a standard as a as a regular, you know, right. uh, four centimeter acrylic bobbin. No, um, bobbin girl, the little girl shape is um, she's she's uh she's my version of a paper doll. Okay. Um, uh, she has, um, you know, a hole for hanging a, a working thread off the top, almost as if it's a ponytail, but, um, she comes with a little base and so you can wrap her up in her thread and then stand her up in her little base. And then you've got a little bobbin that's just running around your desk. Um, and just cute. She's just <laughs> there to be cute and nothing more. Okay. Um, but yeah, she's she's paper dolls. You dress her up with the prettiest floss, um, and I I keep envisioning all of these social media reels with her, you know, getting dressed or spinning or you know changing outfits. There you go. Yeah, makeup <laughs> stories. She yeah. really is. She really is just just to be adorable. That's yeah. that's. But I will say she also is sized perfectly to fit in the standard bobbin box that everyone uses. Um, she doesn't fit side to side. She fits the the long way. Okay. And uh, you can put four or five of bobbin girls side by side and you're really not losing much working space in a bobbin box capacity. Um, and she and she fits in there. Yep. So I, I made very sure to make sure that she could tuck in with all of the rest of the bobbins. Um, <laughs> and, and then you then you took the uh, clothespin as a bobbin idea and made that into acrylic. Um, tell about that. That's I like these things. Well, I, um, I, I like these things, meaning, yes, I bought some of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first person to buy them. Thank you. Was I really? I literally... Oh. You well, yes. Um, I I had literally come up with them the week that you purchased them. Oh um, I have, um, uh, I haven't worked a ton with uh pearl cotton, but I love it, and I love the shine that uh the the thread has, and it's not as neatly storable to me as. Uh, embroidery floss. I mean, it doesn't, you don't wind it on a bobbin. It usually stays in the skein, but you can't use it off the skein the same way you can even embroidery floss. You have to do something with it. And most people I knew um, wound it on clothespins. So um, that's what I did. I, I started winding mine on clothespins like everyone else, which, you know, works pretty well because, you know, at one end you can pinch that spare end and then you've got this you know, a whole little thing, but I, I had trouble when I would wind it. Uh, I would keep catching my fingers on it or, you know, flipping it back and forth in the winding process. Um, I would, I'm not sure what it was. I think it was the difference of, you know, it being slender on one end and larger on the other. It just ruined my, um, you know, that, that peaceful rhythm of, of winding that I enjoy so much. Mm -hmm. And then you got them going all over the place and and I really didn't have a great way of storing them either. And they just took up a whole lot of room. Um, So then I started thinking about it. I was like, huh, well, you know, what if I made something that was kind of like a clothespin that would 
you know, be consistent all the way through that you could write on and then it's reusable. Cause of course I wrote on my clothespins, um, which I'm now using for all of my potato chip bags, but they all have <laughs> floss numbers on them now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, 842 is on the potato chips. There we go. Um, but yeah, the, what really tipped that off was the very traditional Japanese thread spools. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They're oh. really, they're really huge. Normally they're not little tiny things, um, but they're unlike anything that we use here in North America traditionally that I've ever really seen. Um, and they're, and it's just kind of that X with large sides and it's just wound very neatly around the center. Um, they're fab fantastically beautiful just in and of themselves. Um, and so the idea just kind of merged together to, to make something along those lines. And of course I'm working with acrylic and so it was, how can I get something that would lock together? And then stretching it out so it was more of a clothespin shape rather than a little square or right. or a cube, um, and that's and that's really how I came up with this. And then once I started playing with it, I realized well if I you know indent the corners a little bit on these in this one spot, you can then tuck it in on either end, and then you've got a and, and just because of how it goes together, you've got a, a beautiful tuck for your very first piece that you start to wind with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it doesn't matter, you know, which end your thread ends up on. You just tie it off on wherever it is. So you're, uh, you know, not worried about getting back down to a different end. And and that's and that's really where that came from. Um, I had a a lady that I met online. Um, it's, she's up in Virginia, and she makes wooden uh, frames for embroidery and, and cross stitch pieces that are in hoops. And she had had this brilliant idea of making a rack that clothespin bobbins would go on. And she was organizing her own stash for this. And um, so she had already done a lot of the math on, on figuring out what whole sizes clothespins would need and that sort of thing. It's like, I really just size my stuff to go straight into her little racks. Um, and that's what uh, most of my photographs have shown is, is one of her pieces, one of her special pieces that I had purchased a while back um, okay. as I was yeah, that trading was, out. That was what really caught my eye. Okay, so these are, these are really neat, yeah. really neat uh, bobbins for uh, thicker thread because, I mean, yeah. pearl cotton or I can think of several threads you might wrap around these things. But then when you showed it with them sitting in a wood holder... Yeah. And I thought, yeah. oh, that's that's perfect when you're stitching to have those all set up right there in front, yep. uh, easy to get to. And the whole package of things for me uh, was, oh, that's beautifully done. So now I, yeah, yeah. so now I got to have a holder. Um, yeah, well, that is, uh, her name is Kate. Uh, her name, uh, business name is Modern Hoopla. Right. Um and uh, you should absolutely go check out her stuff. Um, I work primarily with acrylic. She's got all of the woodworking. Um, the The piece that I have was a one-off that she made out of a piece of cherry. Most of her stuff is uh, really thick plywood based and it's still gorgeous. Uh-huh. Uh, it's still absolutely innovative and really pretty. And she has a whole bunch of different um, holders for bobbins and uh clothespins um it's it's all that same sort of stash organization um but but yeah that you know her her little thread rack really got the the wheels turning on that one for me <laughs> um it's nice when inspiration hits from yeah. from someone else's yeah. creativity yeah so that's great so, okay so we have uh we have those things all out of this laser cutter and I'm smelling. Yeah. I'm smelling that a, a bigger laser cutter is on the horizon. But um, oh, yes, <laughs> I'm just as smelling soon as that. I can yeah. justify the cost. I am. I yeah. I've already got my eye on one. I've been doing research, and so that it's it's one of those as things grow. Because as I said, um, I just I just quit the day job. 
Yeah. Not even, not even it was just three weeks ago. And you found me, I think you emailed me early last week, uh, the yep. beginning of my third week. So I'd only been out of work for two weeks. Um, <laughs> and you said, I found you on the social medias. And all I could think of is everything I've done for the last two weeks is working. <laughs> <laughs> I must be doing something right. Uh, Somebody found me. <laughs> so yep. well, um, I'm always hunting. So so do we do we have we have other products in the in the works or are, are you oh, I, still I, getting I yourself do. getting your feet under you? Um, it's both. Uh, everything kind of uh, swirls together. I definitely still have uh, more dots to connect, more things to to square away. Facebook and Instagram don't want to believe that I'm a real shop yet, where I haven't gained their trustworthiness factor or something so there yeah and i finally this morning saw that pinterest had straightened itself out i managed to disconnect something over there um and so there, there are still some things that i'm i'm working on smoothing out there's still more um design work courses that i need to devote the time to uh to be able to finally get the ideas that i can sketch out on paper really fleshed out into um, a graphic that is printable. Um, but I have a, I have a notebook full of different ideas. I'm sure some of them will be flops and I'm sure others will be um, hopefully just as well liked as the, the swatch drops have been. Um, but it, yeah, I've got a, I got a lot more ideas and, and constantly thinking of new ones. I'd really, one of the, one of the things I've been working on and is still all the little pieces, prototype pieces floating around my desk. Um, when you're, when you're knitting, you end up with, with buying, you know, things for, for winding up yarn that comes on skeins mm -hmm. and you have a swift well, I would love to make a little tiny tabletop swift that you uh, fit your embroidery floss over for when you're winding it. Mm. I don't know how you wind your embroidery floss, but a lot of times I end up slipping it over my right wrist and, yep. and a little bit off at a time. Well, I, my idea was a little paperweight type uh, because it didn't need to be big. Like that circle, when you unwind that, when you open up that little skein, it's, it's not, it's not that big, right. um, but a, a little tiny mini, mini uh, swift that, you know, you would use for winding your embroidery floss, which honestly, I, I think knitters who maybe don't even use embroidery floss would still totally enjoy because yeah. it's a swift and it's in <laughs> miniature and everything in miniature yeah. is great. Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Oh, uh, see, I'm liking, yeah, I'm liking that idea because, yeah, I did uh, what I did, 21 skeins for a sampler um, over the weekend onto the uh, swatch drops. And for me, it's it's take it off the, the skein, open up the skein, and then unwind it into a pile. And then yeah. uh, I cut it into lengths and then put it on the drop. And, yeah, Swift, that would be, um, yep, you could talk me into yeah. that, sure. <laughs> well, uh, you know, another nice thing would be um, what they call a nitty naughty. That's something they use in knitting where uh, you wind up uh, yarn that's off of the cone in order to skein it up. Uh -huh. um, and it, a nitty naughty basically measures it into particular lengths. And a little miniature nitty naughty that would pre measure as you wind into, you know, 18 inch. Uh, links where you just grab it at one end and you cut through at the other end and you have exactly the links that you need for your project. Um, Make you know, one that sort quick. Of thing. Make one yeah. quick. I want <laughs> I'm one. On, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. There's only so many hours in the day. I still got those three kids. Remember? Oh yeah, that. Yeah, the kid part. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and then and then Uncle Sam he wants his money, and you know it's that whole accounting thing, and so I'm right. still I'm still working on that. I started working on taxes late last week. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to have them done by midweek, but we'll see how that actually goes. Yeah, the ugly side of small business work. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yes, I have a ton more ideas and, um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for the future. I'm excited for where I am right now and what I've discovered about myself and about, um, the ideas that just keep popping up. Um, 
Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm glad to hear that you like the idea of a Nitty Naughty and a Mini Swift. <laughs> yep, I do. I do. Well, hey, uh, uh, these uh, these swatch drops, I'm I'm a fan. These are fun. I got to. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I sadly spent a lot of energy into figuring out what stitches I was going to put on each one just to make them all different. So, um, <laughs> I'd love to see a picture. Fun in its own right, you know. Why not? It is. Why not? It is. It's its own project, and there's yep. nothing wrong with considering it its own project. That's right. That's right. So, all right, Jenny, this has really been a treat. Thanks for doing this, and uh, best of luck with Lucky Jonquil and and all your ideas and. Uh, Boy, these uh, the swatch thread drops, I'm telling you, folks. Get them. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. 